0: Welcome everyone to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge Technology Research. Today's guest is Mark Miller, Managing Director of Life Science Advertising, Marketing and Commerce at Deloitte. He joins Emerge CEO and Head of Research, Daniel Fagella on today's podcast to discuss leveraging data in proven AI use cases in pharmaceutical sales and marketing particularly when it comes to the next best engagement. Throughout the episode, Mark emphasizes the importance of connected data and decision algorithms to engage with healthcare professionals more effectively. Today's episode is sponsored by Deloitte, and without further ado, here's their conversation.
1: So Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dad. Good to be able to dive in here today. We we speak a lot about pharma here on the AI and Business podcast. A lot of us on the R and D side, but I know increasingly sales and marketing is a domain that's seeing its own sort of influx of AI use cases and and applications. Let's start on kind of the trends and challenges side. You've been working in this domain for quite some time. When you look at what leaders are thinking about on the sales and marketing side of these large pharmaceutical firms, what's sort of top of mind now? What's defining the industry?
2: Yeah, across all pharma clients, whether big or small, whether med tech, uh, there's a big, big focus in sales and marketing transformation. And essentially, it's new and more effective ways for pharma to reach and engage with their many, many stakeholders whether it's doctors and extended care teams, whether it's patients, whether it's hospitals, you know, how do you reach the right decision makers and influencers within a practice or within an entity? And the reality is within the current healthcare environment right now, it's very, very big. It's very complicated. It's, 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 it's a, a network of many, many players. It's crowded. So Farmer's role is to reach audiences in the appropriate contextual setting, to know something about the audience, to ultimately deliver very personalized and tailored content. But to do that is easier said than done, meaning you have to rely on interconnected data, you have to rely on non-traditional analytics to help you understand audiences in new ways, To find those audiences in new ways, to engage with them through channels that they engage with already, to deliver on-point messages, informational content, and to engage in a style that they want. And on top of that, you are got to optimize the sequence, frequency, cadence of everything. That is that is the heart of what farmers trying to do but yeah you cannot lose sight of the fact that at the end of the day you got to help the end customer it's not about overt selling it's not about overwhelming with hardcore branded content it's about engaging with audiences just as you would in any good relationship it's a dialogue
1: yeah, being being educational, being polite and professional, being useful in a valuable way. I mean, I could imagine, Mark, it's pretty easy to burn your doctor relationships by beating them over the head with something aggressive, right? Exactly. And so let me ask you this before we get into applications. All of what you've articulated sounds rather challenging. We've heard a little bit of how some startups are approaching this stuff, but it's it's certainly a monster of a hurdle. How is this being done today? Clearly, it's not good enough, but when people are trying to make decisions about how to be educational, they're trying to make decisions about how to prioritize their sales follow-up, phone calls, emails, whatever else, what are people relying on in you know today's day and age that's kind of inadequate?
2: Yeah, it all starts with the business questions. You need very, very clearly defined use cases that ladder up to business impact, but also ladder down to what it means to help customers. So again, you know, you got to be very, very focused on what problem you're solving for. Some uh, uh, pharma companies are very focused on health and wellness and disease management program in support of patients. You know, I think about Nova Nordisk and their cornerstones for care diabetes program. You know, being able to provide above brand educational services to diabetes patients. There's so many options you have. There's you know ways to eat. There's ways to exercise. Yeah. There's different medication options. Every single patient has a different need. So rather than overwhelming with options and too much content, you have to be able to understand those patients. You have to be able to uh, reach them through the right networks, whether it's everyday health or, 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 or WebMD. And then you have to be able to deliver on-point content, not in time, but over time. Meaning, Everything has to be sustained. It's a dialogue. Uh, You know, this isn't about a six-month relationship because a patient's new to therapy and you want to stop them from dropping off therapy. This is about helping patients over the life of their condition. Five years, 10 years, 50 And that's a big challenge for pharma to pivot away from short-term impact to long-term relationships.
1: Well, and I'm sure that AI and data fit into that mix. And let's fly into it here. You know, when you look forward and you look at how, you know, you brought up kind of non-traditional analytics, so to speak, and I'm sure you can unpack how what specifically you mean there. But when you think about where AI and data are likely to make the biggest impact over the, the years ahead in terms of improving this fundamental challenge of prioritizing, being useful, being effective in our marketing and sales, what are some of those use case or business problem areas that for you, there's the, the biggest value to be had from from data waking up?
2: Yes. Yeah, so let me give you, a, a, again, a very, very specific example. Within pharma, uh, a dominant uh, capability area is next best engagement. It's the ability to leverage connected data and uh, an ensemble of uh, decisioning algorithms to help you engage with healthcare professionals more effectively. So Pharma typically engages with healthcare uh, professionals through the the field force, that is face-to-face virtual engagement or rep email, but they also engage through marketing channels across paid and earned media. And paid media could be TV, print, point of care. It could also be a lot of digital display, advertising, videos. On publishers there are new uh, targeting mechanisms called programmatic yep. and again it's 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 overwhelming but you're, you're trying to solve for very very basic problems that is how do I understand my audiences in new ways that's micro segmentation and it's not about understanding for example healthcare professionals based on how they prescribe or what they've done in the past, but it's what they are doing in the moment. So the ability to tap into fast-moving online behavioral data in a privacy-safe manner to use that data to see something about ACPs that typically you don't see. That is all about micro-segmentation. Then you're gonna move into channel optimization and channel optimization, as I described, there's complexity within the field channel, there's complexity within the marketing channel. How do you sequence and bundle channels together? Then the next rung within intelligent orchestration mix is, is content optimization, where content is What do you say, the message, what do you expect people to do, the call to action, how do you motivate them, that's the informational offer, how do you talk to them, that's the creative variance, and then there's a sequence, frequency, cadence. All of those need to work together. That is impossible to do via a priori business rules. You have to be able to bring data together, you have to be able to arrive at the appropriate data features, and then you need to overlay... uh, decisioning algorithms, whether it's rules, or whether it's gen AI, or whether it's machine learning, they all need to work in harmony, but in support of clearly defined business use cases. If you don't have those use cases, you're going to spin. If you don't have the data, doesn't matter how good the algorithms are, things will decouple and fall apart. So everything needs to work in harmony. But if you know what you want to do, and you have the right people working together cross functional capabilities, across data engineers, data wranglers, data scientists, business strategists, agencies, things will get done.
1: And, and let's unpack this a little bit here. So when I listen to what you're articulating, you know, this idea of sort of really narrow targeting based on real-time behavior, not based on simple demographic rules or a simple one or two actions that somebody takes on a website, but very narrow behavioral kind of signals then optimizing for the channels we're going to reach and the content we're going to reach and the cadence we're going to reach with. I can see sort of two different elements of this industry leveling up. On the one side, I can see the vendors themselves just making all of these fancy-dancy AI capabilities accessible. You mentioned some of these platforms where we can look at uh, the behavior of of prospective uh, patients and, and we can maybe think about how we might want to target them. Some of those platforms, I imagine, are making some of that behavioral data accessible. Hey, here's people that have done these behaviors or have behaved in this way, or maybe even they allow uh, a sponsor or an advertiser to, to calibrate their settings to only target people with really narrow combinations of different behaviors and activities or something. On the other side, I can see a world mark where the marketers and sales leaders within big life sciences firms need to develop their own kind of third-party data assets, their own ways of stratifying and structuring and using data in the back office to be able to marshal and direct their own campaigns. Do you see most of the benefit coming from the tool sets, you know, these programmatic platforms, et cetera, being more accessible to this kind of data strategy? Or do you see most of the benefit being from the core teams, our own core teams in LifeSci, leveling up their own sort of data assets and approaches?
2: Both. So... The industry as a whole doesn't want to rely on black box third-party solutions. They want to bring solutions in-house because they want to own the IP. They want to own the intelligence that is unique to their business. They are very, very reluctant to have black box providers uh, provide those solutions end-to-end because invariably the IP developed is shared with others. Yep. But the reality is you absolutely have to rely on alliances and partnerships that are built around trust because think about it. Uh, when pharma engages with healthcare professionals or patients, healthcare professionals or patients don't always choose to engage with pharma directly. They're going to go to trusted resources. As I mentioned, you know, Medscape, Doximity, CERMO, et cetera. The question is, you know, you know, how does pharma, you know, through their intelligent orchestration solutions, activate audiences no matter where they are, whether they're on a pharma's uh, property or whether they're on a third-party site, you have to be able to navigate and coordinate ac- across this complicated web. And invariably, it does require rethinking alliances and partnerships who have their own solutions very often. But if Pharma farmer has a blueprint or rules that need to be implemented, those can be implemented on these walled gardens. But invariably, when it comes to Bridging first, second, third-party data, developing bespoke decisioning solutions, activating within sales tech, martech, tech, ad tech solutions like programmatic or signal detection. Pharma wants to control. That is a trend that we see. Now, mid-cap pharma, again, that's very different where they rely on, 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 on partners who, who can help them get stuff done end-to-end.
1: Got it. So uh, and this sort of mirrors other industries where maybe the big boys are going to be able to do a lot more in-house. They've got the compute resources, data science leadership, et cetera, et cetera, while the, the smaller market might lean more on the partners. So it sounds like that's a good way to think about sort of the balance in some way.
2: That is a good way. But, you know, Dan, you mentioned something earlier, the idea of, uh, you know, targeting uh, audiences or understanding audiences not based on what they look like or what they do, but why they do what they do. The minute you tap into behavioral data to understand the latent drivers of behavior, that's where the digital data comes in. It's Mm -hmm. massive. It's complicated. It's very often unstructured, and you have to be able to tap into that fast moving data in the moment to identify signals that are proxies for where prescribers might be in their prescribing journey or patients might be in their journey. But it's about sensing and responding at the speed of need. Yeah. That requires different solutions,
1: big time. and and I guess i'm I'm thinking about what differentiation looks like when when what you and I are speaking about here, Mark, becomes the norm, right? when when the the big guys and eventually even the mid market are really able to kind of drink in, uh, sort of inference out, you know, these kind of behavioral elements, the, these these sort of patient journey dimensions uh, and and elements of intent that you're articulating what what are the what are the components that edge one company out over another it almost dawns on me like okay well maybe you want to think about where is a bulk of your revenue made or what are some of your unique product lines where almost nobody else is realistically going to be able to track or even know what to track to solve for this one disease or this set of conditions where maybe you have a focus area what's going to pull one company above another as everybody starts leveling into this new world
2: New ways of working, it's being agile, it's the ability to take risks, it's ability to learn in the moment, to flex and adjust. You know, all companies uh, are going to adopt similar solutions. You know, Gen AI uh, machine learning as a capability is uh, both mature, at least in uh, the machine learning space, but also evolving. But it's those companies who know where to focus It's the uh, companies who are willing to implement new solutions within current workflows. It's companies who have very, very clear KPIs, both leading indicators, lagging indicators, and they can measure and they can adjust. And I'm not talking about quarterly, bi-yearly optimization. I'm talking about bi-weekly, weekly, weekly, monthly optimization. It's just a different, completely way of working. And that in itself is going to challenge ops models. It's going to challenge how you plan and design and execute differently. Capabilities are always going to be there. New capabilities are always going to emerge. It's how you adapt, how you adopt, how you adjust.
1: And, and, uh, Have there been any important lessons for you in terms of the companies that are taking that new approach? It sounds like, yes, there's tools leveling up, but there's a required level of nimbleness to keep up with the tools, to generally make the most of them, to really think strategically about how to marshal them on a week-to-week, day-to-day basis. Is there anything that those smart organizations have done to start to move the needle on that element of culture? Because what you're saying here is a nimbleness that maybe sounds like it's not the norm today
2: yeah so uh, again it all starts with a philosophy and a mindset most of the set successful organizations within pharma medtech are pivoting towards customer experience design customer experience is about in- in- engaging with audiences where you are delivering relevancy at every touch point accomplishing that uh, requires working in new ways requires leveraging capabilities that are hugely different The companies that are successful, again, it's a mindset uh, that comes from the top down. It's less about a mindset of mandating. It's about a mindset of influence and showing them the possibilities, but invariably it it, 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 it's leadership from the top down, uh, a soft mandate, I would say. Mm. It's focusing on solutions that benefit every brand, every portfolio, every region, which requires some level of uniformity and standardization because that is the only way to scale. But it's about making certain that there is broad adoption and there's a focus on impact. So, again, top-down mindset the ability to take risks, to roll out solutions that are MVPs doesn't have to be perfect. And to learn and adjust on the fly, to socialize the value, people come along. Plus, the, uh, an element of cooperation. When you can get hmm. different regions to vie for better results, everybody starts to work together and share. It just naturally snowballs
1: huh? Okay. Maybe we can, we've got another five minutes or so, and we can kind of unpack what it looks like to bring this vision to life. You've painted a good picture of our trends and challenges, a good picture of the capability space that we're stepping into. And now we're really moving into, okay, what's it take to make this real? And you've seen some cultures start to shift. You've seen other cultures fail to uh, adapt. You just brought up a great point about kind of co-opetition here. What I imagined in my head as you are articulating that i want to make sure i'm on the right page is maybe we've got a number of different marketing teams or a number of different product lines and the shared challenge is hey we're going to be leveraging these new data sources we're going to be finding ways to slice and dice of them to execute you know on our marketing campaigns in this new way and we're going to see how much everybody can bump or lift this these particular two or three metrics over the course of you know the next number of quarters And we'll have some shared team meetings where we all get to share the best practices. We get to high five who the big winners were, things like that. Is that the kind of company co-opetition scenario that you're imagining or you've seen it play out differently?
2: No, absolutely. Uh, Again, you know, within big, big organizations, there's many capability areas. There's many brand teams. There's many agencies. As with any center of excellence within pharma, there has to be shared learnings. You have to be able to share successes, and it's 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 very much around uh, how companies organize and create a sense of teaming, uh, where there's an ability or willingness to share successes, share me- methodology. But that is that is so critical to maintaining the energy and getting everything done.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like leaders who are tuned in right now should be asking themselves, how do we make that soft mandate come to life through fun, transparency, coopetition? It's not just, Hey, this is going to be something we do. It needs to be a push and initiative that breathes life into it.
2: Exactly. But it's also training, you know, so a good example is, you know, getting back to the topic of, you know, gen AI, you know, where and how could you apply that to pharma? Well, in the case of pharma, most of the engagement with healthcare healthcare professionals is through the sales rep. Sales reps uh, are very busy. They visit the doctor, they have a conversation, they leave the doctor's office, they get in the car. And at some point that evening, they go into their Salesforce application and update the outcome of their conversation with the doctor, which is invariably a simple drop-down. We are capturing sales disposition data. You know, what if you know post the discussion with the doctor, the sales rep gets in their car and just dictates broadly the outcome of the convo- of their yeah. conversation with the doctor, and uh, LLM invariably categorizes the outcome of that discussion in a way that is then fed back into the database to ultimately feed into rules that ultimately inform next day recommendations. Again, that is a very very specific use case, but it is of high value. You know, other other clients might say, we are overwhelmed with unbranded and branded content that we are developing, that we are curating. And I just need to know what content elements are most important to my many, many customer segments. Agencies typically do have people who do the tagging of content, but can that be automated with a high degree of accuracy? That is very much about Gen AI to drive operational efficiency. But again, you've got to know where to focus.
1: Yeah. Okay. But it sounds like those are two potential ideas. You know, maybe in closing, we can touch on this, and it's great for people to open their minds to the possibilities of Gen AI. What you just articulated with the salesperson sounds a lot like what we see. You know, people trying to develop for doctors, and on some level, these these technologies exist. Of hey, instead of you know, you get done talking to a patient. Can we just kind of talk out loud those key points and make sure that they're categorized and stored in a way that makes sense? Do you see that as becoming the norm in relatively short order in pharma for sales folks?
2: In pharma, you know, privacy, compliance, mitigating risk. It's just, you know, you can use Gen AI for a lot of internal operational efficiencies. You know, it's a lot easier to use Gen AI, for example, you know, dynamic intelligence reporting for internal consumption. But the minute you straddle to the end customer, you know, pharma has a higher bar to clear. Yep. And again, those compliance, privacy, consent, those are all very important.
1: Got it. So uh, take home point for people listening in as we close out. It, it, it Experimentation may begin more in the purely internal before we start experimenting external, but obviously the possibilities are rife. And Mark, I appreciate you being able to kind of crack open those possibilities for the listeners here today. I know that's all we have for time, but thank you so much for being able to join us.
2: Thank you.
0: Before we draw a close to today's episode, a few points stuck out more than the rest, I think. First off, Mark highlighting the importance of cross-functional capabilities for teams to effectively tackle complex marketing challenges. Pharmaceutical companies aim to maintain control over data and decision-making, recognizing the significance of partnerships in bridging first, second, and third-party data sources. In the pharmaceutical industry, larger companies hold an advantage in understanding patient journeys through behavioral data, while smaller firms may prioritize forming partnerships. Successful organizations prioritize enhancing the customer experience by utilizing capabilities that ensure relevance at every interaction point. To maintain momentum and achieve tasks within large organizations, it's crucial to share successes and methodology. Finally, Mark's conclusion in the episode predicts that generative AI will become standard in pharmaceutical internal operations, though concerns related to compliance and privacy might slow its adoption for external use. On behalf of Daniel Fajella, our CEO and head of research, as well as the rest of the team here at Emerge Technology Research, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast. (sniffs) you <sniffs>